What can the Minnesota Vikings learn from Super Bowl 58? Kansas City Chiefs beat the San Francisco 49ers in nearly the first ever double overtime Super Bowl, but only the second that made it to the extra frame. Minnesota Vikings are trying to get there themselves. And how do they get there? Well, the NFL is a copycat league. So we're going to talk about some of the things that really stood out as far as team building. And then we're also going to talk about our mock draft roundup because we have over 130 mocks that have been collected since the beginning of the year. And what do analysts across the world say the Vikings should do with their first round pick? Welcome to the Real Forno Show. Welcome to the Real Forno Show. Hosted by Tyler Bornis, the managing editor of USA Today's Vikings Wire. Writer for the College Football Network. Publisher of Substack Run In Shooter. Host of the good, the bad, and the hungry on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, as well as a founding member of Vikings First and Skull. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Real Forno Show. I am your host, Tyler Fornis. With me, as always, is producer Dave. Look, Super Bowl is over, and unfortunately, we have six months until we can actually see a live NFL football game of any kind. Yeah, it's the Hall of Fame game in the preseason but it's still a live NFL football game. So it's off season time and Vikings have been in off season mode for over a month, but now the entire NFL is in that off season area. And we are here to talk about it. Uh, And Dave, do you have any really big thoughts from the super bowl here? I just loved the way uh, some of the players played with abandon. Gave it everything they got, hitting harder, doing a bunch of other stuff, and just smacked around. It was that I appreciate. And it was on both sides, both the Niners and the Chiefs did it. They, uh, but it was like, I'm going to put everything out on the field, everything. And if you get hurt, like the, Niners linebacker did coming off the sideline. Oh, shit. That stuff happens. And it's unfortunate. Could have changed the game. But, hey, you're giving it your all. And I like seeing when teams and players give it their absolute best. And they tried. And in that first half, the defenses shut down each other's, you know, shut down each other's offense for the most part. It was rather relatively boring until we got to the fourth quarter. But it was just to watch how hard they were hitting, how hard, how fast they were flying around, how they were trying to make plays. I appreciate that very, very much. It was a really good football game. And it was especially, Dave, a good football game. When it came to the defense, I thought defensively, this was a tremendous game. And I'm hosting a Super Bowl party. We had, it was weird. So, we actually had almost all of our guests leave after the usher performance, <laughs> mainly because, you know, kids and having to get them to bed. But it just, it just, it, it felt weird because of that, but it was a hell of a good time. I got, I got some really great neighbors and having that, like watching the game and the sense in the room was like, man, this, this game isn't very good, but I loved it because the defensive lines were phenomenal. The San Francisco defensive line has a lot of talent, but really hasn't played 
all too well lately. And they really stepped up in a big way. They were getting interior pressure while the edge rushers were keeping Mahomes contained. I think I counted one play where Mahomes really was able to break contain. And that was almost intercepted in the end zone. Like it was a masterclass performance by the defensive line. And you know what? Hats off to the chiefs because they really figured it out. And uh, it's, it was awesome to kind of see. And I think one of the big things that we can kind of take away is the Vikings need to figure out their defensive line play. And you'll have to give me a second because you're, you're going to see me try to focus my camera as I talk because I'm out of focus because Odie decided he wanted to start chewing on things. And the <laughs> last time he chewed on that specific thing, I was worried he was going to get a piece of plastic stuck. So I'm going to get the camera to focus back in on my face so it cannot be blurry for everybody. And hopefully that's a little better. Nah, uh, it might not be. Go back to your ear. Yeah. All right. Well, As here's the thing. Tyler does this and you see that I can talk and do this. It's not a big deal. It's still there. Well, it, it is what it is. We're just going to have to deal with it. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's, let's have a conversation about the defensive line. You don't have to have 12 guys who are starting level. You don't have to have 12 guys who are phenomenal. But what you do have to have is a nice. baseline. Oh yeah. But it's the salary cap area. That's just not how that works. Mm-hmm. You have to have a baseline of success. You have to have a baseline of, Hey, these guys are going to make an impact. And you know what? It worked for both teams. Yeah. Uh, the 49ers picked Nick Bosa second overall. Chris Jones has been one of the best defensive linemen, not named Aaron Donald in the past decade, but you still have to invest in the position and you have to keep taking players and not just relying on third and fourth round picks to be able to take that next step. And I think that's a really big thing that we're not having a conversation about enough uh, amongst the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, they're saying it's normal focus. So Hell yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad you guys got to enjoy my hand. It's pretty nice. Um, so the Vikings need to figure out a way to do that. And I think the way that you're going to be able to really bolster that defensive line, you have to go to free agency. And I think you're going to have to overpay. That's kind of the nature of it, but you're almost in a position where you have to, because the only defensive lineman really you can trust is Harrison Phillips. And he is above average, really good player. He's not a great player. He's not a true difference maker. I, to me, that's a big concern. That's and be, uh, because of that, it's that you, you almost have to. And free agency is for fixing needs. It is not for, hey, I'm, I just want to go get the best available player. You fill needs in free agency. You draft talent in the draft. That's how these structures are set up. So the Vikings need to go fill that need. And I think they need to make a run at Christian Wilkins. I don't think Chris Jones is going to end up leaving Kansas city because I think Steve Spagnuolo understands how incredibly important Chris Jones is to that defense. Um, Anthony mentions Josh Allen of Jacksonville. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking edge rushers. We're talking defensive linemen. We're talking guys who are going to clog up running lanes. We're going to get penetration on the interior on pass rush downs. Yes, you still need edge rushers, but you need those big boys in the middle. And they don't have to be Tavondre Sweat, 370 pounds big, but they need to be able to get the job done consistently. 
Harrison Phillips needs help. And right now he doesn't have it. So how are you going to address that? How are you going to fix it? And I think the Vikings need to really work on doing so in free agency. And I think Christian Wilkins is going to be the number one target or should be the number one target because that's how you, you make an impact on the defensive line. You get a game record and there's one available. That's plausible. Cause like I said, I don't believe Chris Jones is plausible. I just don't. I don't think that they are a player that you can actually get to Minnesota because I really don't think they're leaving Kansas city. You have a chance for a three Pete and four in six years. I think they find a way to make it work. I really do. So that's kind of, kind of where I'm sitting there. Available. Wilkins. Yeah. Wilkins. I think you make a big run at Wilkins and you, tr- you find a way to get him in here. I don't know how you structure that contract to make it friendly right away. I don't know how much you're going to have to give him. Are you going to have to give him five years, 125 million? That's not an impossible ask from the Wilkins camp. I, you just got to figure out a way to do it. And you have to structure it in a, a way that helps the Vikings now and later, because look, the salary caps going up around 10% every year. So if the salary cap goes up 10%, that's basically Wilkins first year salary around 20 million. That that's enough to feel comfortable with. Hey, okay. If it's going up 20 million, guess what? what we can now plan for it because that's how all these teams think. That's why void years are a thing because you know what? It's an interest free loan. So you you're giving the guy the cash now, but you're going to pay the piper when the salary cap significantly goes up. And I think that would make sense. Dalton is right. He's not a no sack on a three, four, but you know what? You can play Harrison Phillips at five technique and you can play, uh, you can play Christian Wilkins at three technique. So then all you need is the nose and you can get that nose in the draft. Maybe that's Tavondre sweat. Maybe you finally put Kyrus Tonga in that role. I'm not quite sure, but I do know that Christian Wilkins is a game record. And it also should be noted. Brian Flores did draft Christian Wilkins as his first pick as the head coach of the Miami dolphins. That should be noted. Let's talk about the, the second takeaway. Elite quarterback play. You got to have it. It just makes a difference. And you know what? It's not even that Brock Purdy played poorly. It's that Brock Purdy couldn't do enough with that loaded team. You have one of the best offensive minds in the history of football. You have Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle. Talking like a couple all pros, multiple pro bowls, big time weapons. You have Christian McCaffrey, the best running back in football. You have Trent Williams, the best left tackle in football. And you can't get it done when the time is right. Why? Because Purdy just did not have enough. And if he had just a little bit better sense of communication, a little bit better sense of, hey, I need to just ride this out because of X, Y, and Z. And if he just stays calm for another half a second, he hits Juwan Jennings in the flat on that last offensive play. And that's a first down. So there's, there's things that Mahomes can do that Purdy can't, but Purdy's on a rookie contract, which look, if you don't have the elite of the elite, go try and find them. And if you can't find him, you at least have a guy in a rookie contract that 
matters. It matters big time. And the Vikings need to be able to take advantage of that because right now, look, we could talk ad nauseum about Kirk. We've done so on this show and other shows have done that as well. Here's the big thing with Kirk. He's very good. He's not considering the amount of money you pay him going to be able to elevate you enough to truly be worth the money. Patrick Mahomes. Yes. Josh Allen. Yes. When he was around Tom Brady, even when he was making less money than he should have, but still making a lot. Yes. Matt Ryan took a team to a Super Bowl and won an MVP that 2016 Matt Ryan. Absolutely. Yes. You have to be able to have a certain level of elevation. You have to be able to do more with less. Cousins just doesn't have that at the level that you need him to considering his contract. And that's not an insult to him. It's just, it's just a matter of fact. And I want the Vikings to be able to jump on the idea of getting a rookie quarterback. And I think they're finally going to, it's going to be one of, I believe Caleb Williams, Drake may Jane Daniels or JJ McCarthy. I don't believe it'll be Knicks or Penix. I think it's going to be one of those top four. Uh, Hostway is like, can we please stop holding Brock Purdy to a vet standard? <laughs> Look, I, I I kind of understand where you're coming from, but if you don't have some of those next level traits, which Purdy doesn't, that's not an insult. Purdy does not have a great arm. He does not have great athleticism. What he is, is a great processor in the pocket. He doesn't panic. And he makes proper reads. So asking him to do the things he's good at, at a level he's already shown to be, I don't think is holding him to an unfair standard. So on that play, yes, Chris Jones is running at him. He should know what the hot route is. And he should know where to throw it and how and where to get the ball to. Jennings is about to pop open on that whip route. And if he understands that and he processes as well as he normally does, he makes that throw. And that's a first down and that could be a touchdown. Like that's, that's what I'm asking. I'm asking him to play within the level he's already done. So this year, so I don't think I'm holding him to an unfair standard. I'm holding him to his standard, his standard of play. And if you don't have any of those next level traits, you have to lean on the intelligence and the processing. And unfortunately, if you, if that falters for a play, it can be a disaster. And that's what happened to the 49ers. It's not as simple as that. It's not, Hey, like you fix this. The game is uh, a different way, but it also was like, this is why I don't like having the guys like Brock Purdy, Kirk cousins, Geno Smith, Jared Goff. When it hits the fan, what's going to elevate them? it's going to be everybody around them or are they going to be able to do it? I want the guy who can elevate and it's becoming harder to find. There are less guys now than it feels like there were five years ago. that could do that. That's because the there was a bunch of quarterbacks back then that were considered top tier. Phil Mackey mm-hmm. posted a tweet today that I want to throw up there real okay. quick. <clears throat> and I know people have heartburn with Phil. There's a, I'll shrink this down so everybody can see the whole tweet. Mm-hmm. I don't want to twist it, but there is, and it's slightly twisted. There we go. 
the tweet talking about quarterbacks. And where does your quarterback fall into? Which of the two bins? Is he a GOAT? And in the GOAT in the last 22 years, Ben Brady and Mahomes. Does he make, and these are for the the last 24 participating Super Bowl teams, so in the last 12 years. Or are they a QB on a virtually no money, i.e. rookie contract, and there's only three out of that that didn't fall into that category, mm-hmm. and they were Stafford, Ryan, and Jimmy G. Now, with that, Kirk falls into that 12%, the other three. If you think Kirk is the man, he falls into that. But would you rather have one take a shot at the GOAT like you said, and at minimum you've got a quarterback on a rookie deal, mm-hmm. or two, bank on the 12% shot? To me, it's simple. I'm going with what gives me the best opportunity to possibly win Super Bowls, and that 12% is not it. But, hey, that's just me. Virtually and when no you money look at dealt those, in his rookie contract. And when you look at those guys, you had Matt Stafford going on a historic playoff run. You have Jimmy Garoppolo being a Kyle Shanahan merchant, which is kind of what Brock Purdy is. Purdy's just the better version of Jimmy Garoppolo. And he's also a lot cheaper. And then you have Matt Ryan. And we talked about Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan was an outlier year. Why? He won an MVP. So, I, like, I'm fine if you're talking about, like, the GOAT argument. Like, you're talking one of the greatest seasons that a quarterback's had. So, I'm okay kind of grouping him into that conversation for the sake of this. For the sole fact that he won an MVP. He wasn't just, like, some rando quarterback. It wasn't Ben Roethlisberger on, like, year 18 of his career. It was... Peak Matt or, Ryan winning an MVP. Or as, uh, who was it that just talked about uh, uh, Mr. Unknown, Peyton Manning in his last year when he won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. He had to be carried, you know, virtually out on the field. His mind was still yep. sharp, but his arm was a noodle. And it was a mm-hmm. defense that helped him there. Now, granted, his decision-making was sound, but those throws were not prime Peyton Manning. So if you hit on the guy that... One, they're in a prime. Two, they got the smarts. They've got the, along with the smarts, they have the it factor. You can go a long way. And the closest quarterback we've ever had to that was Fran Tarkington. And that was so long ago. I was a kid. That's, you know, and most of you that are watching weren't even born. So we need to try for that. That's the only way I can see it having the best opportunity to reach our dreams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, I want us to have the rookie sale quarterback and a chance at having somebody truly great. And the closest we've come to that is Dante Culpepper, who was arguably the MVP in 2004, but it went to Peyton Manning because Peyton Manning had the 49 touchdowns. Hard to argue that, but you, I, I think you could really talk about, uh, what the Vikings went through that year and how good Dante was and say that he was the better player or at least, sorry, most value, more valuable 
because of how much they had to really lean on him. But that's a discussion for a different day. Let's have a conversation about the third thing. And I don't think the Vikings have to worry about this right now, as long as they fix left guard. Don't have a glaring weakness on your offensive line. 49ers had a massive weakness on their offensive line. The whole right side. Uh, They lost John Feliciano halfway through the game. Spencer Burford got a lot of playing time and starts this year. So it was almost like a a one-to-one swap. So to me, that that really doesn't matter. And then right tackle, Colton McKivitz, who, when I saw him at the Senior Bowl in 2020, stunk. Very bad. But it was four years later, hey, maybe he's shown some development. He was a really good athlete. Now he's still bad. And he blew the blocking assignment. George Kittle's supposed to... uh, to just uh, give a quick block to the far edge. And then McKivitt's supposed to take Chris Jones, the inside guy. If he makes that block, Brock Purdy hits Juwan Jennings, and that's probably a touchdown. He doesn't. That final play had so many things happen that should have been different, but they weren't. You can't have a glaring weakness on the line for the sole fact that it's just going to be attacked, 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 attacked. Garrett Bradbury was always attacked when he was just this glaring weakness. He's fine. He's average, and sometimes he plays above average. Every once in a while, he's still a dud, but he's not atrocious anymore. Ed Ingram, good. Brian O'Neill, Christian Derrissaw, great. Dalton Reisner after the Ezra Cleveland trade, good. Just don't have a glaring weakness on the O line. That's all you have Dalton to do. Reisner, good at pass blocking. He yeah, sucked and at run blocking. He was <laughs> sucked, I think, is an unfair term, but he wasn't great at it. Uh, he like, wasn't even one mediocre. Of the, it's he's not the guy to climb to the second level like Ezra Cleveland. If you have like power concepts, gap, he was a lot better. But he's not going to be able to climb to that second level, which is why some of those run concepts didn't work. And I think that's more of a scheme thing than it was uh, Reisner being poor at run blocking. But a guard, guards are designed to move. That's one of their benefits. Generally, when you're talking about pulling linemen, your pulling linemen are generally guards because they are supposed to be the lineman equivalent of a fullback, basically. Short, stout, stocky, strong. And they're supposed to be able to move down the line and pick off somebody if they're pulling somebody coming around the edge or whoever their target is to blow them out. If well, pulling is different from climbing, Dave. But climbing you're asking them to is, do different things. It's real similar. You are sitting there, you engage the guy that's in front of you. And you you do your count, step, 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 and you're it's literally steps, and you it becomes subconscious, and then you Move him to the off ball side, wherever the hole is, wherever the line, where the running back is supposed to go. And you shed as the offensive lineman, and then you look for the linebacker, the second level, or the safety coming down, because that's where you, it's a, it's a timing thing, and you're supposed to be there and you're supposed to hit it. That he does not do that well. And it blows my mind. That he can't because run blocking 
is literally the fundamental thing you learn as an offensive lineman. It is the first thing you learn. And pass blocking is second. One is offensive, and the other one is reactive. And the fact that he can't get the offensive part right, but get the reactive part right, blows my mind. It's it's totally unusual. I would love to have um, my boys run blocking skills matched with his pass blocking skills if you could have married both of them together and then you would have had something but unfortunately no but we need to get the run game together because our run game absolutely stunk and you need at least a satisfactory one and it's not just all running back it's also offensive line well running back was the big issue with the running game they stunk they couldn't take advantage of the holes that were given to them. They weren't seeing things or in the case of Alexander Madison, they weren't explosive, but the the overarching point here is you just can't have a liability at offensive line. So as long as you have a capable left guard, it doesn't even have to be great. Capable. Dalton Reisner, 2023 capable. So as long as you don't have that, a glaring hole should be just fine. So that's really all the Vikings need to do. Just have a good player at left guard and they're good. Now, the fourth thing, and this is going to be a weird one because college football really isn't giving it to us. You have to have good linebackers now in the NFL. Everything is shifting. So one thing the NFL is, it's a copycat league. We mentioned that off the top. And one of the things that became increasingly relevant towards the end of the year, if you had great second level defenders, you were in the final four. And we made fun of the Detroit Lions for taking Jack Campbell at 18 overall. Well, guess what? Jack Campbell was a, a good reason why they were the, where, they, where they were at. Because if you have really good second-level linebackers that can attack downfield and really run downhill and chase things, athletic, size, you're going to be somewhere. The Chiefs have four good linebackers. Drew Tranquil, Nick Bolton, Leo Chanel, Willie Gay, and the Niners have two of the best in the league, Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. If you have those guys, it allows you to do so many different things. And it's not just, hey, I need you to go chase a running play. Fred Warner can run with tight ends and wide receivers. You can run Tampa too, and he can get deeper than the safeties because of his athletic gifts. And you can allow these guys to rush freely. You can ask them to do so many different things because of their skill set and talent. It's not just the days of Greg Beekert where, hey, middle linebacker, go stuff run. It's being an athlete and being able to play multiple and do all these different things. If you can do that, it takes things to a different level. It allows you to maximize output for the defense because you can do so many different things. And the Vikings need to figure out a way to improve that second level. I don't really know how you do it. You have to rely on Brian Asamoah to really take that next step, but he doesn't have a lot of size. You need Ivan Pace Jr. to play above what he did last year, which I don't know if he'll ever do again, considering what his limitations are. He was great in what he was asked to do, but if you ask him to do more, I'm really concerned if he has to play like a thousand snaps. I I, I think you're going to see a real decline, and it's going to be a disappointment because there are real limitations to his game, especially when you talk about coverage. So how do you fix that linebacker room? Are you going to be able to find somebody 
to be able to come in and be a true difference maker like a Roquan Smith was for Baltimore, like Nick Bolton is, who's really the linchpin of the Kansas City Chiefs defense. Can you find a freak like Fred Warner? No, you're probably not. But can you find somebody capable enough to give you enough at that spot? That's the question the Vikings are going to have to answer. And I don't know if it's going to be a one, two or three year thing, but they have to figure it out. And maybe you have to go into free agency and overpay a guy because that's what free agency is for. Sometimes you have to overpay to fix a problem. It sucks. You don't want to do it. Sometimes you don't have a choice. And with Quasi Dolphamensa really trying to fix what's going on here and trying to shape the team in his image, it's a really pivotal offseason. And I think there are a lot of positive signs, especially with how we handled the second offseason. The draft process, I think, was a lot better. The free agency process was better. It, not everything hits. The idea of Marcus Davenport and bring him in was a great one. It didn't work. So are you going to bring him back at a super cheap price? Or are you just going to cut bait? Like there are things that you can keep trying and keep doing while still learning. And I think he's done a really good job of adapting from what he's done. And I think that that's going to be a really interesting case study here. What is he going to do at linebacker? Um, Anthony mentioned Cedric Gray because of what Brian Flores is doing. I don't think the Vikings will have Cedric Gray on their board. He misses tackles like crazy, and you can't do that in this defense. He's missed 57 tackles at North Carolina, 19 last year. That's a lot of missed tackles for a middle linebacker when your job is to tackle. So, I like that's the difficult part. College football isn't giving you these guys, they're giving you wide receivers, they're giving you offensive linemen, they're giving you edge rushers, they're not giving you linebackers. So, when you when you find them, you got to go get them. You have to find a way to get that guy. And that's going to be the challenge here. How are they going to find a way to get that guy? Because I'll tell you, a lot of teams are going to be trying to get that guy because that's the way the league is trending with the run games and passing concepts and how everything's evolving. Second level defenders, I can say it's a premium position, but if you have them, it's a cheat code for your defense and allows you to be a lot more multiple and do a lot more things. So the Vikings are going to have to find a way to make that happen. Because let me tell you, if you get a Dante Hightower for Brian Flores, or if you get like anybody with a lot of talent, like think of Kyle Van Noy. Van Noy never really panned out to what he was drafted at. But Van Noy has turned out to be a really good player on that second level consistently, even though teams continue to undervalue him. Where are you going to find those guys? You're going to have to do some work and you're going to have to take some risks. And that's, I think that could be a really big key to the Vikings potentially getting over that Super Bowl hump. I don't disagree. And we're going to need somebody besides Ivan Pace Jr. anyways um, to pair up with. I think Ivan Pace Jr. is probably going to put on more weight, get stronger, and still be a beast. And he's going to use his he's too small thing as a crutch. And hopefully they, they, that's that's going to make what he's bad at even worse. Because what he's yeah, bad but, at is moving laterally and what he's bad at is playing in coverage. The weight thing is, is going to help maybe in the run game, but it's going to make the rest of his game worse. Yeah, but he had one of the best coverage grades of any of all the rookie um sec, uh defensive guys, but is one of the best ones in the linebacker range. It was 
surprised me too because I didn't think that was his strong point. But it's he, not. He's not good at it. It's not well. His what I thought he was good at was run stuffing, and that's where he got his score the least at. But he's had a seventy something pass coverage, and he only allowed seventy uh, QB rating of seventy something um, over the middle. And for linebackers, that's decent. You don't expect a shutdown. Hey, he only allowed twenty four a QB rating of twenty four. You don't get that with linebackers, but. <clears throat> I think he did well enough, but he is one. You need at least two middle linebackers that are stout, and we're looking for that other guy that could be the workhorse, the be the better, and let pace be the complementary piece. And then I think we'll be okay. And then you need depth. Yeah, and and like I said earlier, I think the big thing with like that coverage grade, it's inflated. I don't think he's going to be able to replicate it. And if you get him in man coverage on a running back, he's going to get toast. He's going to, he's going to be burnt so crisp that like not even grandma will eat it. Like it. It's just not good. And you have to be able to find guys who can be every down players. Pace was great, and he's great at what he's good at. He's not an every down kind of guy, and you don't want to force him into a role that he's just not. You know what? If he proves me wrong, I'll give him all the credit, and I'll take the L, but... He is a guy who moves great forward, fills gaps in the running game, rushes the passer and blitzes incredibly well. If he's dropping straight back, it's completely fine. Anything else? Like if you ask him to move like super laterally or if he gets like set up on a running back on a Texas route, like the running back's going to get one hard step to the outside cut in and pace is done. It's those little things. It all adds up and it all matters. So how they fix linebackers is going to be really fascinating. And we only have a, about a month left. A month from tomorrow is, uh, whatchamacallit, um, the start of free agency, March 13th. Mm-hmm. And we'll see what happens. Um, we got the combine in a few weeks. Oh, I can't wait for that. I love the combine. Um, all right. Let's talk about mock draft roundup before. We go. So the Vikings so far this year have been sent 133 different players in round one. And there have been a couple mocks that the Vikings have been sent two players because they traded up. So it's not exactly 133 mocks, but they've been sent 133 players in round one from industry mocks that I've collected over the course of the last few weeks or six weeks. So I, I start January 1st, and then I go from there. So far this year, the top four players are all on the defensive front for the Minnesota Vikings. Florida State edge, Jared Verse, 20 times out of 133. UCLA edge, Laia Tulatu, 17. Illinois defensive tackle, Jerzon Newton, 16. Alabama edge, Dallas Turner, 15. Then you get your first quarterback. Michael Penix Jr., Sent to the Vikings 13 times. Terry and Arnold, the Alabama cornerback, 10 times. And then you get uh, some rapid fire here because there are 17 different players that have been sent to the Vikings. Jaden Daniels, eight. Kool-Aid McKinstry, six. Cooper DeGene, six. Nate Wiggins, five. Those last three, all cornerbacks. J.J. McCarthy, four. Bo Nix, three. Byron Murphy, the second, the defensive tackle, 
two, Chop Robinson, Olufushanu, Drake May, Caleb Williams. All one. Actually, hold on. Chop was two, and Fushanu, Ming, Williams were one. So the big thing here is that analysts kind of agree on where the Vikings need to go. It's trenches, corner, or quarterback. Nobody has sent the Vikings a wide receiver. Nobody has only one person sent them an offensive lineman, and I yelled at him, uh, but he he believed it, so I published it. Uh, and what I'm really no center. left tackle. Yes, I remember that. Looking like why left tackle? Fashanu's Fish, great, but left tackle. I'm like no, like yeah. Unless you're trading Brian O'Neill, which he's 29 years old, you shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And that that would be the only thing I could see is that if if you're wanting to trade Darisaw for capital, just like all the people here want to trade Justin Jefferson for capital, and then go that way, but that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But it's possible. Yeah, Um, I'm intrigued to kind of see how this continues to evolve. Last year, the Vikings end up taking number two on the most mocked. That was Jordan Addison. So it's possible that they end up uh, taking a guy that the the media is really high on the Vikings end up selecting. So I, I continue to update this. I update this on a daily basis on my database. I update it on USA Today's Vikings Wire every Monday morning. And I keep track of it. It's it's a really, really fun exercise. And I'm I'm excited to kind of see how it ends up shaping up. Delton asks, isn't our cornerback room full? I mean, you probably want one more. I don't think you want just four corners. You probably want five or six in the building uh, on that active roster. But do you want to make a massive investment into one, considering all the youth that you have and potential development? And the development we've already seen. I'm not fully sold on taking a cornerback early for that reason. Because you already have a lot of guys in the room that are growing and developing. So I, that's why I've said sign like a fringe starter. Like let them compete for a starting job. And let's see what happens. I think I think that's going to be your best bet if you end up adding a corner. But we'll see. We'll see what ends up uh, facilitating. We are just so over two months out from the NFL draft. So a lot can change. Last year, I collected over 540 mock drafts. So this, my board as it sits right now is going to change a lot. I'm really excited to kind of see how that at all shapes out. Um, And Christopher Gates over at daily Norseman's always tracked it every year. And he does a chart that goes with, the amount of players mocked to us goes up and down, and each each player and it, and he stacks it sort of looks like strata and rock, and you see where flavors of the week come up, mm-hmm. and then they fall down, and then they may have the combine and they do great and they come back up, and then something happens and they go back down when another flavor of the week comes up. You know we've already seen it when it comes to. Quarterback prospects, flavor mm-hmm. of the week. We want Jaden Daniels. We want Drake May. We want Caleb Evans. 
oh no, hey, the bottom three, let's go Knicks, let's go Penix. Oh, J.J. McCarthy stunk. McCarthy stinks. Oh, no. Thor loves J.J. McCarthy. Whoosh. He shoots up the board. You see, we're going to get that fluck, fluctuation all the way till the end, until we get right up to the draft. So it and, is um, interesting to see. Yeah, my database does the exact same thing. It's just I have it by numbers and not by, not by graph. So if you ever want to see it, um, I believe... It's I have I've shared the link before on Twitter, but I don't know if uh um if I have it pinned. I'll I'll find a way to get it out there. But that's our show today. Uh we're gonna have a lot more skull searches lined up. Dave and I just talked the other day about um what we're gonna do uh, with that here moving forward. So he's got a list, so we're gonna have um a little bit more consistency between the two of us, and there's a lot on the way. We're going to have a really good time. We're going to give you guys all the information on a lot of players. We're going to start doubling up. We're going to start doubling up on players, players, two players an episode. So we can, we we can give you more information and be able to kind of condense some of that time. Cause sometimes we just don't have enough and that's how we're going to handle things. And some players are going to get their own next up tomorrow. Jaden Daniels quarterback LSU. Caleb Williams, when I watch him, which hopefully is going to be tonight, he will also be his own episode. And so will Marvin Harrison Jr., the wide receiver from Ohio State. So you're going to get plenty of really good stuff here from us. And Delton is right. Please get a rescue rescue dog. Our sponsors, friends at Underdog Rescue, they help get dogs into homes, and they helped our sweetie Claire. And it would mean a lot if you donated to them or got your next dog from them because they they save lives and you just never know you may be your life to get saved and not not necessarily just theirs so underdogrescuemn.com like comment subscribe ring the bell because we're never going to tell you when these skull searches are coming you're going to find out when we schedule it because we have to figure out times because we have a set schedule with monday and wednesdays for this show but we don't have one for these skull searches so you're going to want to have that bell rung so you can get notified. And don't forget, starting this Sunday, two old bloggers now Sunday afternoons at 4 p.m. Central Time, not Saturdays, because the NFL season is now officially over. You will not want to miss that. And that also leaves Saturdays or Fridays potentially open for an extra skull search. So that's another reason to keep that bell rung. Until then, I'm Tyler. He's Dave. Skull Vikings, everybody. Skull Vikings. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell to get notifications. It helps us grow this community that we all love our Minnesota Vikings. And on behalf of Tyler Fornis and myself, Dave Stefano, thank you so dearly for watching The Real Forno Show. Skull, everyone! This has been a Vikings First and Skull production, part of the Fans First Sports Network.